Welcome to the Lingolstown Life Podcast. In today's episode, Pastor George preaches a sermon about imitating the ways of Jesus. This message was first preached on October 17th, 2021 at the Lingolstown Life Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Lingolstown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. Well, we're going to, uh, to talk about that part of uh, inspiring people to, becoming, to become disciples of Jesus today as we get into the next part of our message on, uh, on what it means to be walking daily with Jesus. So we already started the service off this morning thinking a little bit about how we, how we learn. And we talked this morning about how we learn to talk. And it's a, it's a process. <clears throat> and it's a process in, in which we imitate or, or we mimic other people and their actions. Uh, if you think about young children, they learn through imitation. <clears throat> Okay, babies. Babies learn their very first words because they are imitating the adults around them. And so we learn early on the value of imitation, and it becomes foundational then throughout our entire life. Now, if you have had the opportunity to have children in your home, um, you can tell that they have imitated you. Sometimes they have imitated you doing things that you don't want them to imitate you doing, but they imitate you nonetheless. Uh, regardless of our age or stage of life, we are all learning new skills all the time by imitation. Okay, think about this for a moment. If you play a sport, okay, chances are you have learned something about that sport by imitating others. If you play a musical instrument, chances are good that you've learned by, by imitating somebody who played that instrument. Uh, when we talk about artists, oftentimes about artists imitating the technique of another artist. I, I would imagine that on the job training, you learned some of that simply by imitating someone else. Now, imitation's not only just a positive thing, sometimes we imitate the negative things, and, and unfortunately, we have to be aware of that because we don't want to imitate negative behaviors or negative characteristics. But I, I just love this whole field of, of, of learning theory and how we learn. Um, you may know that there are different styles of learning. Some people are, are visual learners. They learn by seeing. Uh, some people are auditory learners. You know, just talk to them and they'll learn. Uh, some people learn by reading and writing. Some people are active learners or what we call kinesthetic learners. Um, but the, the important part to remember here today is not only, not only do we have different ways of learning, but there are different ways by which we retain that which we learn. So here's one of the worst ways to retain knowledge. 
and that is to listen to a lecture. Okay? I, I don't know what this has to say about all the sermons I've preached over the course of my lifetime, but the, the, average, the average retention rate for listening to a lecture, 5%. 5%. I've said an awful lot. I've invested an awful lot of time to only get a 5% return on, on that investment. But listen, there is some good news in this. There is some good news in this, okay? If you actually go home and talk about what you've learned, Okay, that's why we give you that sermon outline in the bulletin or online. You can find it on the Bible app, you know. If you actually use that, take some notes and go home and talk about it, you will remember 50% of what you learned. 50%. That's a big jump from 5% to 50%. Now, here's, a, here's another jump, okay? You can go from 50% to 75% if you actually put it into practice, okay? So when I'm done today and I give you some things to practice, if you actually practice what you've learned today, you will remember 75%. Now, one more. You can up that number to 90%. You can retain 90% of what you are learning today if you teach it to somebody else. If you teach somebody else what you are learning today, you will retain 90% of what you learned. I, I, just to give you a real quick example, I've had people tell me all the time, Pastor, when I was teaching my small group or when I was teaching in Sunday school, I learned way more than I ever knew before. And the reason you learn more when you're teaching somebody else is because you retain it. And so that's what's going to play into our message today, this whole idea of how we, how we literally retain what we're learning and how we share that learning with other people. Now, Jesus understood this, and, and that's, why, that's why Jesus' invitation to his disciples was, come follow me. Come follow me. Do everyday life with me, because when you, when you follow me, when we do life together, we are going to learn more. We are going to internalize it more when we are together, when we're experiencing it together. And let me tell you, Jesus' disciples, again, this is why I love this book, and I know it's true because they tell you about the failures as well as the successes. And let me tell you, some of Jesus' disciples were real failures, <laughs> okay? But they learned in the process. And they did it because they experienced life together by proximity with Jesus and by practicing what he taught them. And so we learn best to be disciples of Jesus through imitation, okay? So when Jesus says, come follow me, it's really an invitation to internalize the words of Jesus, to imitate the ways of Jesus and to partner in the work of Jesus. 
Now, Jesus was a, a master at what, what we typically call today apprenticing, okay? Uh, finding somebody that you can share what you know with someone else. It, it's a lost art if you really think about it. There, there's not a lot of apprenticing that necessarily goes on, but I, I found this video recently, and, and it's about a sword maker in Japan. And he talks about how he was apprenticed, and it also talks about then how he took on an apprentice. Now, this is a fascinating story. This is only going to take you two minutes to watch it, but you do have to actually watch it because it's all in Japanese, and so you've got to read the closed captioning, okay? It's slow, and trust me, it's slow, so you don't have to worry. You can read it.現在刀だけで生計を立てていける方というのは私を含めて日本で大体大学の頃でしたが、ある雑誌に今の私の師匠である宮入明宏の写真集が載っておりまして、まだ刀を作っている方が日本にいるということが分かりまして、そこで初めて刀鍛冶になろうと思って決心しました。家族は反対しましたね
私より優れた弟子を育てることが私の役目でありそうでなければ文化というものは風化してしまうのです。私が師匠から受け継いだのは技術だけではありません師匠の刀に対する思いを受け継ぎまして私も弟子には私の刀の思いを伝えていきたいと思いますし弟子も自分の刀に対する思いを次の世代に伝えていくものと思っています Just so you know, there is a longer version of、uh, Mr. Watanabe's、uh, story. If you can find it on,、uh, you can find it on YouTube. It is fascinating, this whole idea of sword making. But, but there are two things in this、uh, short video that just stand out to me. And the first one is what he says He says, I want my disciple to surpass me. As a sword maker, I want him to surpass me.、Uh, you know, when I first read that, I, I was like, that's what Jesus wants for us, right? It, it was Jesus who said to his disciples, Greater things will you do. And, and that's exactly what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to surpass him in, in disciple making. And, and then, then he goes on and he says this He says, My duty. My duty is to build up a better disciple than me. Otherwise, the tradition will wear thin. Just listen to that for a moment. My duty is to build up a disciple better than me. You see, that, that's, what, that's what Mr.、Uh, the, the, the sword maker here wants to do. He wants not only to pass this on, he wants somebody to have even more passion for it. And, and that's what he says in the second part. He says, he says, I want my disciple to receive my passion so he can pass down his passion. Get to the last part here. To the next, is it, what's that last word? Yeah. Did you notice? It's not just to the next generation. But to the next generations, plural. You see, what he's teaching is something that he wants to continue on for generations. And folks, that's what it means for us to be disciples. You are discipled so that you can disciple the next generation. And your passion for Jesus needs to be something that can be transferred to the next generation so that they can pass it on for generations to come. That's what the psalmist wrote about in Psalm 145, verse 4. It says, One generation commends your works to another, they tell of your mighty. Acts. See, your calling, your calling as a disciple of Jesus is to internalize the words of Jesus so that you can then imitate the ways of Jesus so that others who are, that you are discipling can pass on the words and the ways of Jesus to the next generation.
And one of the most influential places where that will ever happen is in your home. It will happen in your home. And when I watch that video of the sword maker, it makes me ask this question, do I have the same kind of passion that he does for his work? Am I willing to do the, the tiring, hot, unrelenting work of discipling another human being to be a disciple of Jesus with the same kind of passion that I have? Now, if your answer to that question is yes, then the next question that you'll have is how, and, and that's taught to us in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, and, and I want to read this passage to you and then come back and take a look at it. But it says here, these commands, and, and, and this, is, this is really a restating of the commandments that God had already given to the nation of Israel, and it says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. In other words, they are internalized, okay? They've been internalized in you. Then what are we to do? We are to impress them on our children, okay? This is the whole imitation part. Impress them on your children. And then how do we do that? Well, we talk about them when we sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And that, folks, is just everyday life. Nothing complicated about it. It's just everyday life. Okay? Discipleship happens in our relationships. Discipleship happens in our everyday experiences. It is integrated into all the aspects of your life. Being a disciple of Jesus is not something that you add on to your life and all of the other things that you do. It is integrated into every aspect of your daily life. And that's exactly what's played out for us here in this passage, okay? Talk about them when you sit at home, okay? Now, in, in, in the time when they wrote the book of Deuteronomy, there wasn't one of these in everybody's hands. But what if we put these down and we actually had a conversation and not by texting each other? But what if we really had a conversation with each other? Um, you know, discipling our kids doesn't have to mean that we sit down at the end of every day and read a, a, a daily devotional from Keys for Kids like we did when our kids were little. You remember sitting on the sofa? We had three little kids who were bouncing on the sofa and we're trying, listen while we read. <laughs> it was really a good idea. <laughs> And if you can succeed in that at home, awesome. If you can do it every day, awesome. If you get to it once a week, that's great. <laughs> but listen, every day you have the opportunity to have a conversation with someone else. And so when you're sitting at home, have a conversation. Okay? Have a conversation about, about how your day and the scriptures intersect with each other. And as I'm going to get to in just a moment, don't worry about whether or not you have all the answers. So talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the way. Now, remember, when Deuteronomy was written, we didn't have 
any kind of conveyance other than shoe leather. So what can we say today when you're driving in the car? Okay, I mean, what do you think about when you get in the car with somebody else? Do you, do you think about having a conversation? How about with your kids? Do you put your kids in the back of the car and say, here, <laughs> don't bother me while I'm driving? Now, not to say that there aren't good times to use this, <laughs> okay? But what about the captive time that we have? When you got your kids captive in the car, what better time is there to talk about what's happening in their life? And so impress upon them when you sit at home, when you walk along the way, when you lie down at night. You know, I, I see somebody here in a room who loves to talk about their kids and their questions. Um, I just love those things. And I love it, I love it when parents come to me and say, I've got to tell you what my child asked me last night when we were getting ready to go to bed. I love those questions. I don't want to have to answer your kids' questions, but I love them, okay? But, but what better time is there? As a parent, as a grandparent, as an aunt or uncle, just, you, you know, you, you, you lie them down and they start talking. And they'll ask some really great questions like, where does God live? You know, uh, I know there were some kids who think that God lives here, and sometimes they think I'm God because I live here. Um, but that's a whole other topic for another day. Anyway, um, but questions. Questions when you lie down at night are wonderful opportunities. And like I say, you don't have to have an answer for every one of your kids' questions, okay? And when you come to me and ask for an answer, I probably won't have one either, but, but just ask your kids this. Well, what made you think of that? What, what, what is it that's on your mind? You know, why do you ask me that right now? All you gotta do is ask. You don't necessarily have to have an answer because you know what? Kids just love to ask questions. That's the wonderful thing about kids. Kids ask 125 questions a day at least. Adults, we only ask six. We should all be more like children, right? Asking more questions. So, so when, when do we impress upon our children our faith? Well, when we're sitting at home, when we're riding the car, when we lay down at night, but also when you get up in the morning. When you get up in the morning. Uh, you know, there's lots of different ways to think about this. What do your kids catch you doing in the morning? Do they catch you, do they catch you spending time reading God's Word in the morning? Do they catch you screaming at the television because you turned the TV on, you know? Um, how do you set the tone of your day? There's so many ways we could think about what it means when you get up, but the, but the reality here is that we have to daily imitate the ways of Jesus. And these are exactly the things that Jesus did. Think about it for a moment. When Jesus was sitting around home with his disciples, they were chatting with each other, and Jesus was in the process of teaching them. When they walked along the road, that's when Jesus said, hey, look at those birds. And he told this whole story about how God provides for the birds, and if God provides for the birds, he'll provide for you. 
See, Jesus understood this principle from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm sure that there were a lot of nights when he and the disciples would lie down at the end of a day and they'd be like, but I don't understand, or I have a question about. And I'm sure that those conversations lasted long into the night. But think about this for a moment. What about when Jesus woke up in the morning? Do you know what Jesus did in the morning when he woke up? He oftentimes, the scripture tells us, went off to a quiet, lonely place. He wanted to get away from those all those disciples, I think. But when, when he got up in the morning, he wandered off to a quiet place. And what did the disciples learn from Jesus when he did that? They learned that they needed some quiet time as well. They needed to step aside and spend some time with the Father before they got on with the rest of their day. See, Jesus did what was commanded all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, you are the primary vehicle through which the faith is passed on to the next generation. The church, the church is here to partner with you, but the church is not, the church is not the primary tool by which the faith gets passed on to the next generation. If you just stop and think about this for a moment, as parents, it's easy for us to pass on the, the responsibility of discipling our kids. Remember, discipleship's happening constantly, and it's not just about our faith, but we disciple our kids when they're learning from all of the other voices around them. But my question for you this morning, if you're a parent or if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt or an uncle, what are they learning about being a disciple of Jesus from you. You know, prior to COVID, prior to COVID, it might have been easy to say, well, we'll just lay that whole discipling thing for our kids off on the church. You know, at best, at best, we got 40 minutes with your kids maybe once or twice a week. We'll never disciple your kids in that kind of an environment. We do our best. I mean, I love our teachers and we, we have great people that are trying to disciple them, but folks, we're just a small little part of partnering with your major responsibility to disciple those kids. It has to come from you first and foremost. Now, the verse isn't done, by the way. Go to the next slide. It says, the, it says there that we are to tie these, these teachings as symbols on our hands, bind them on our foreheads. Uh, get into, I'm not going to get into that, but I like the last part. Write them, as, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Now, when I read that, I remember something I was talking about last week, how I said that, how I said that we need, to, <clears throat> we need to let the words of Jesus take up residence in our lives, and part of that means that we, 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 we decorate the walls of our homes with the words of Jesus. <clears throat> well, you know, that verse is still lived out in, in Jewish homes today. 
If you've ever walked to the home of a, of a Jewish, uh, Jewish family, you will find that on the door frame of their house, you will find a mezuzah. It's a, a reminder of the words of this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it is a daily reminder as, as people come home from the swirl and the whirl of the outside world that you are walking into a place of learning and conversation and imitation and practice of what it means to be a disciple. So what if, what if we could do the same thing? What if we could place those things around our homes that became reminders to us of what our homes are intended to be? And so here, wrapping all of this up is what I want to challenge you to think about. How are you apprenticing the next generation of Jesus' disciples? Who's teaching you, and who are you in turn teaching? See, that's what apprenticing is all about. It's learning from a master so that you can become a master, so that you can teach someone else to master that same stuff. We are called to pass on to the next generation that which we have internalized as we have learned the words of Jesus. We are called to imitate the ways of Jesus. We are called to partner in the work of Jesus. That's what you and I are called to do. It is not something we can pass off to somebody else. It is our responsibility. And so that's what we're called to do. I love these words about what, a, what, a, <clears throat> what a, an apprenticeship is all about. Here on the screen... There's five steps in this. Some people have knocked it down to three, some two, whatever the case may be, but, but it's very simple. I do, you watch, we talk. That's where, that's where apprenticing really begins. You do something and somebody else is watching you and you talk about it. Then you do it, or I do it, and you help me, and then we talk about it. And then you do it, and I help you, and we talk about it. Then you do it, I'll just watch, and then we talk. Do you happen to remember what's the most important thing here? Did you figure it out? It's the talking part. It's the talking part. And as you have discipled somebody, from them watching you to them doing it themselves, then the last part, you do, someone else watches you. That's our calling as disciples of Jesus. People watch us. People do what we do. We get the opportunity to talk about it. And then we get the blessing of watching as someone else begins to disciple the next person. Jesus modeled it for his disciples. His disciples modeled it for their disciples. And on and on and on up until today. And now it is your turn to be a disciple who makes disciples.
Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, there are so many things that we could teach each other. But the most important is that our lives, our conversations, will forever influence the lives of the next generation. And my prayer is that today we will take on that responsibility to use the moments when we sit at home, as we drive, as we lie down at night, and as we get up in the morning, to use these opportunities of everyday life to disciple those who are coming after us. Lord, may we hear your invitation again today to come and follow you. And in turn, may others, may others follow us as we follow you so that they might become your disciples as well. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. on the Lingolstown Life podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope that you'll leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more at www.lingolstownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth to love God and love others.